Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. Not just any old Saturday morning, either. This is the beginning of the 10th season. We have unconfirmed reports, at least. This is the 10th season of Saturday Morning Serial, which, again, is that show that we do that explores all the themes of Saturday Morning Serial that not only have we grown up with, they've also been growing up with us. And even... For the last 10 years, it's become meta. We've grown up on growing up about growing up with them. <laughs> yeah. What a, what Put he that said. in your bowl and try and soak it. That's Anyway, that's uh, that's me, Dan Grimshay here talking. I'm, I'm the Danist. I'm the Grimmest. Uh, I'm the Shayest. But coming in a close second, we got Marky. Talk to me, Marky. Man, 10 seasons, incredible. We've talked to so many awesome people over the years, had such a good time, and today is no different. Yeah, let's let's roll that best of reel. We don't have a best of. Oh, oh, wait, yes, I'm being told 10 years, we still haven't achieved enough best for a reel. All right, come back and check us on our 20th, everybody. Uh, but uh, the, uh, another reason to celebrate... Those uh, those hardcore listeners will know that ev- that our season always begins right after Comic Con. Yeah, that's when we the first started San Diego original, uh, and finally after a couple of years, this year is no different. That's right, San Diego Comic Con 2022 finally back in full effect. I believe I've been told because I didn't go, uh, but the rest of the crew did. You guys went out. Uh, and at this point, half our team is either still hungover or just riddled with COVID. So, <laughs> that's so true. it's only the two of us in studio for this one today. Uh, well, and if there's any San Diego Comic-Con uh, board members listening out there, uh, Dan Shea did go to Comic-Con. <laughs> well, of course well, I went to Comic-Con. At least your badge did. Up here, I'm still there. <laughs> It's just preview night in my head still. <laughs> That's absolutely. that. Was, but, yes, Comic-Con is back, uh, and what we're bringing you tonight are some uh, snippets, tidbits. Actually, they're the full recordings of uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> Tidbit nothing. Untouched raw audio. Yes. We're uploading it in a WAV file. That's right. I went to this <laughs> awesome... Uh, Justin Roiland-centered um, roundtable session that celebrated both 
the uh, Solar Opposites, which is now in its second season uh, on HBO Max. No, Hulu, sorry. And uh, Koala Man, which is a show that is coming out, also going to be on Hulu um, in the Justin Roiland verse. So, yeah, I got to go. And um, I got to talk with some pretty big names and some small names. Shay, go ahead. Take us through. Oh, well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, because since you actually went to talk to them, let me introduce them all. As you mentioned, of course, Justin Roiland, pretty big guy. I think a couple of people out there listening might be familiar with a, with a small indie cartoon called Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, him and uh, Dan Harmon, mm-hmm. co-creators, co-minds on that one. Um, now, he's also got this show, Solar Opposites, uh, second season, like you mentioned. Uh, you got Thomas Middleditch there. Yep. I know you talked to, you mentioned. Oh, yeah. That was uh, he, quite an honor. Pretty big name. Pretty mm-hmm. big name. Yep. You guys know him from Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, just, a, just a gifted uh, improv performer in his own right. Uh, also a uh, uh, rather uh, talented, uh, lively comedian of uh, stand-up and screen, uh, Mary Mack, mm-hmm. right? That's am right. I, am I saying that yep. correct, Mark? Is that who you talked to? Yeah, nailed it. Girl from Wisconsin. And then, uh, you know, that one jabroni from the Goldbergs, uh, Sean Giambroni. That's right. The lead in the freaking Goldbergs. One of my favorite shows to come out in the last uh, couple dozen years. Uh, it's a show that's kind of... In the last couple dozen, in like a quarter century, this is your favorite show. Well, it came out in 2013. I mean, no, I, it's one of the best. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it's yeah, sure. Why not? Fuck it. I'm not. I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I want you to commit. I like the Goldbergs. God damn it. He, you know, he talks All right. about. I mean that that show is a time warp when I watch it. And this Sean guy, uh, he's he's on man. He has it. And uh, I actually didn't even recognize him. Uh, at first, because he had this huge kind of like his, it was it was kind of like this big kind of fro. Like he he had this really big hair, and he like sat next to me, and I just I didn't even really recognize him. And then he started talking, and that voice, that kind of uh, you know, squeaky kind of voice of his, <laughs> came out. And I was like, I know this guy, I know this guy. And I just, it was not clicking. And, and as a seasoned reporter, you whipped out your uh, recorder and, 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 and cornered him with a few TMZ-style <laughs> questions, right? I was just That's like, uh, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and tell me what you do. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I was a hard-hitting journalist. But, uh, but yeah, uh, as it turns out, I'm a big fan of this guy. I'm a big fan of Thomas Middleditch. I became a big fan of Mary Mack, and I think these people have got to hear this round table ah that's right we've got that that whole round table but as i understand it this was like a two for three for or nine for or whatever but with two shows mm-hmm. you also got a little uh, koala man in there yeah that's also justin roiland right yeah um he is the producer but he didn't create it it was created by a fellow by the name of michael cusack um oh. and you guys are going to hear a round table interview with uh, Michael Cusack. I think he was there. Um, I bet he wasn't. Okay. No, he wasn't. What do I uh, know? No, you're going to hear it with Dan Hernandez, who was a creator, uh, Benji Samet, uh, another creator, and Koala Man is a show, um, I believe it's going to also go on Hulu, and uh, you're going to hear a little bit more about that here in a bit. And then on the on the Solar Opposite side, 
I also got to talk to co-creator and executive producer Mike McMahon um, and Josh Basel. So you're going to hear all of these things. It's like four different things, but we're going to kind of try to condense them and make them real tight for you. Well, that's uh, that's one thing we try to do here is uh, keep it tight. Mm-hmm. So sit back and relax for the next two and probably quarter hours. <laughs> it's not that bad. Well, we... <laughs> yeah, okay. We're probably overstating it. You can see the time there uh, on whatever device you're using. Uh, but in that spirit, I feel like we'll talk more about Comic-Con when we get everyone back together. Right. Why don't we just go ahead, since we've already got this, this pump so primed, would it be all right with you, Marky, if we just listened to uh, like at least a couple of these roundtables? Yeah, let's go. Why don't we start with Solar Opposites? Uh, it's a sh- I've, I've actually just been catching up with Season 1. Uh, becoming a big, big fan. Um, yeah, I, I sat through the first season too. I, I like it. It's good. It's funny. It's a, it's a, it's a awesome pres- uh, It's a awesome premise. But why do I got to tell you about it? Why don't we get the creators out here? Let's get some of the voices out here. Let's get to this roundtable. All right. Well, then, yeah, Magic Interview Machine. Why don't you give us a double whammy? Uh, give me a, one of them roundtables with Thomas Middleditch, Mary Mack, Sean Giambroni. And then if we're still hot, if we're still, like, burning it, give us uh, maybe Josh Bicell, Mike McCann, and Danielle uh, Ulerich. Please, please, please. Meanwhile. Here with Thomas Middleditch, Mary Mack, Sean Giambroni. Thank you. 
There's got to be a lazy slacker man wife somewhere. I'm just playing the archetype. Might, like, I don't know, like, I guess I just kind of, like, some of that, the snotty teen kind of thing, like, I always just remember hearing that kind of sound, and then going in, I was like, oh, just make sure he kind of sounds angsty or something, but, but then it kind of became less of that, and kind of just me hyped up and angry sometimes, so, I, yeah, I don't know, I, I, kind of just more from the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah the script, for sure. I'm looking forward. Are there any points that you're excited for? Well, I've always been a fan of uh, Terry and Corvo's burgeoning platonic <laughs> slash sexual relationship. Yeah, you know, we both had to make do making out sounds yeah. in season three, and then I'm like, I wonder how that's gonna look. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> I did see it with Snake, the line guy. I was like, oh, that's how they animated it. Great. <laughs> I can't I mean, pretty much since the get-go, it's all, everyone's recorded on their own. You guys did something together yeah. at some point. Yeah, a couple things together, Sean and I did. And then um, Sean was his regular self and was like, I am sick of her. Yeah. No more done. Yep. Done. solo from there on. Yeah. <laughs> Less Mary, yeah. more white wine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, Make it lovely. Uh, yeah. But it was good. It was good for us to do that. I see why they had us do that so we can kind of feel like each other's rhythm. You know. I think it was helpful. And they still have us like sometimes we're chanting together or something. Oh yeah. And they'll play Mary's take and then I'll like chant to the, like with her or something. Yeah, to match the timing, but never together. Yeah. Yeah. As per as per Sean's request. <laughs> <laughs> if I have my word, I'm a little bit better, but. <laughs> I love that it's an incredible too. Yeah, I'm just picturing like almost the two hander. Yeah. <laughs> the claymore of what? Yeah, the claymore of what? Right. I mean, mine is way easier. I ha like she, Jessie has a kind. Like she starts out kind, so she ha she's the most empathetic character of all the characters, I think. So, so I mean, that's easy for for me. But I don't know. 
about you, Ben? Well, for my guy, like, it's kind of a, like, he thinks that he doesn't, like, he hates humans and he's really against it. But, like, he also, it seems like he doesn't want to admit it, but he really loves humans and really wants to be accepted by them. So he's kind of, like, really trying to learn how to be human and, uh, I guess it's just really competitive, but, yeah, he might end up being, like, super into the human lifestyle, I guess, by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, and Terry's, I think Terry's uh, always been a fan of uh, humanity and especially pop culture and TV and obscure references and all that kind of stuff. So he's just fanboying out basically all the time. Yeah. Uh, these three, I'll, these three pretty much do want to fit in. Like, Corvo's the one who really just doesn't care so much yeah. about things. But you're a little, you can be hard, you eventually do want to fit in. Yeah, I want to be or like popular and cool. You secretly want to be popular and cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these are good questions. There's a lot of group hugs in this season, I feel. <laughs> a lot of pupil growth this season, too. Like, Oh, my gosh. is he pet or baby? It's kind of, like, talked about more in this season. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I guess, like, going off the, yeah, the question, uh, like, that question of, like, the evolution of the character. Like, would you say there's been an evolution in the way you specifically seen your characters between, like, uh, it's, like between the three seasons? Like, whether I'm, like, a person I mean, like, we went through puberty on the show, so, like, we're, we're like, <laughs> our characters did, and we did as well, I'm that young, please say I'm that young. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um, I mean, so now it's like, we are kind of negotiating a little bit of, like, like the, the teen being a teenager, and uh, I mean, that's something I'm thinking about as, as we're voicing the characters. Like, what does she want? What's her drive as a, a teen girl? The back of some like, guy's neck. The back of some guy's <laughs> neck can be very erratic. <laughs> My character, you just, like, sometimes being nicer, like, since the Bunyalak episode, it seemed like, I don't consciously do it, and the writing kind of lends itself, but sometimes being a little bit nicer, it's kind of changed. Yeah, you're not such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, real, in real life, he still is. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> He's still Hollywood bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, like, been a bit of a I think they're 
the lake, uh, the vacation to the lake town, or uh, that was probably my favorite. Yeah, the Hulu Land was a great one because you got a ridiculous premise of Hulu Land with all the references to the shows, but then it was also just a great wall episode as well. Yeah. I like Danielle's episode where they're making fun of the Brooklyn dinner party and the, they the, they carry people into dog gargoyles and they crap out wine. That's like been a dream of mine for a long time and finally somebody wrote it. <laughs> I, just, I really love that idea. <laughs> Were they dog gargoyles? What were they? They were just little monster gargoyles. Yeah. Yeah. How much influence did you actually have on the writing? Napa Zero. Oh, you did your Napa Zero. You're so yeah, I mean, in, in, the, in the occasional chances, maybe when you go off book and, and provide something, they might be like, okay, good, let's build off that, or that's going to make it. But it's it's very rarely more than, like, a line or a little chunk here. Uh, you know, the scripts are so tight, it's pretty hard to derail it, and nor would you want to, you know, on a huge tangent. They have made fun of Sean and my accent. Yeah. And they've commented on that, so we've influenced them a little bit there. Look, I gave them a lot of Malcolm Gladwell yeah. uh, scanning, yeah. but they only used a little bit. So, like, you know. Okay. You know. Cut it to one episode. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, sure. we got multiple pens. by the guest stars that, that you can pull. Was there a guest star that kind of shocked you? Like, wow, we got Christina Hendricks or, you know, was there some star that Yeah, it's yeah, crazy it that she's amazing. I, I her voice. a regular. Yeah, yeah. There's so many regulars. There's so many good regulars. Yeah. The, the yeah, Clancy Brown. <laughs> and then Tom Kenny pops up as different characters. Oh, I, uh, I need this. <laughs> Yeah. I don't even know who was the guest and who is like I the regulars are so good that I view them as guests because it's like so special to have them on there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite, they're also good. Solar Opposites and Koala Man. It's true. He's not lying. <laughs> Can I? Do you mind if I look at that poster that's right below the Koala Man? I haven't even seen it yet. She's hiding it. Yeah, it looks oh, nice. Yeah. That looks good.
Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead. We didn't mean to yeah, eat into your time. Yeah. No, no. Can you all introduce yourself? Okay, perfect. Uh, yes, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Josh Whitesell. I'm one of the showrunners and one of the writers uh, for Solar Opposites. Uh, I'm Mike McMahon. I'm the co-creator and co-showrunner of Solar Opposites. Uh, I am Danielle Ularic. I am a writer and a producer. So you're the nerd. We are, the, are nerd. the nerd. Luckily, everybody all the way down is a nerd. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> In the uh, pecking order of uh, you know, who's first when it comes to getting story story pitches, and who's first with the jokes, who's you know. You know, the three of us are pretty much equal. We have this amazing writers team, and Josh and I are there every day with them, and we're usually just trying to figure out: Are we doing a comedy episode about the aliens, or are we doing a drama episode about the wall? Right. And. Josh and I are kind of doing it together. Danielle is probably our highest level writer, maybe, yes. maybe paired with Dom Dierkes. But that just means that, like, when the scripts need to be kind of gotten tighter and, and landed, you know, that's going to one of us four kind of thing, one of us three. But really, like, we've had sort of a similar room the entire time, so everybody knows the show really well, and there kind of isn't, like, a, a mean head writer. No, one. best joke wins, best idea always wins yeah. on our show. You know, and uh, and we, you know, all of our writers get to write scripts, and we really, our show is so freewheeling and fun, and we're always trying to find the joy that, like, if somebody pitches something great and it seems insane, that we'll spend the rest of the day trying to work towards that. I will say half the time, I'll pitch an insane thing. Josh will go, well, we can't do that, and then we'll spend the day figuring out how we can do it. <laughs> I like to sit back in my chair and think for a minute and be like, well, we have now we. We have to do yeah. <laughs> Josh has been working in TV for like 73 years. A really long time. Like he'll talk about being on Veronica's Closet and I basically started on Rick and Morty. So like everything is a rule to be broken to me and he never gets to do that. So it's like fun to break his brain a lot of the time. And we, lo we love TV and movies so much that the more we can break the rules, the better. And then we just are surprising ourselves because we're just, at the end of it, we're just trying to entertain ourselves in the room. And sometimes we're like, can we try to piss Hulu off? Yeah. yeah. And then we never do. But, like, the episodes come out like we were trying to, which I really like. We've been saying a lot in the press that, like, so many times, so many of the uh, nods or the sort of homages are only things that we like that no one else is asking for. Like, no one was asking for us to do an entire storyline about Sylvester Stallone's movie, Daylight. From, like, the late 90s, you know. But we it, thought it was funny. Mike yeah. and I liked it. And so we, we just, if it, if it makes us laugh, mm -hmm. we always are trying to. We're on whatever the opposite of the cutting edge is. Yeah. It's like whatever the cutting edge for us is, which could be a thing from like 85. You know what I mean? And maybe maybe too many Chicago references are not enough. We're both from Chicago, <laughs> so we love putting weirdly specific Chicago references in there. I believe there's a White Hen Pantry one this year. There's oh, a White Hen Pantry and the, yeah. the model train yeah. episode. Um, but the, the, when we get to do the wall stuff, and now with this new season, Silver Cops, as these guys like to say, for us it's so fun to get to, we get to like cosplay being drama writers, right? We're like nerdy comedy writers that know a prestigious drama would ever hire, but we get to do our own prestigious drama with tiny little people.
people eating peas. Yeah. Uh, and now with Silver Cups, Silver Cups was something that Mike, I remember, walked in this season three was like, the wall is going great. We love the wall. Let's do another wall. I have an idea for Simpsons, the Silver Cups, and I have four seasons already ready to go. And yeah. we were like, um, yes, so, more. Yeah, we like building little dramas into our comedy is like something that, because we're on streaming and because you can watch any episode of it whenever you want on Hulu, we don't have to worry an audience member happened to catch that episode. Like, they have every episode. Like, I grew up and I'd be like, oh, I've never seen that episode of The Simpsons. It's ruled. So, we like to wield that kind of stuff because we're on Hulu. Do you find that animation as a medium allows you to break the rules? Oh, a hundred percent. Way more, yeah. yeah. And we were able to, like, blend episodes, like, one into the other like we did in season three. Or, um, There's Joe Saunders, one of our writers, one of our producers. Well, he's been with us since the very beginning. Yeah, because, like, when you see, when you're watching an animated show, you know right at the beginning that it isn't going to be a standard show, right? So, like, how are we going to wield that? What are we going to do to be, like, people, executives always ask, why is this animated? And for us, it's like, because you're never going to predict what happens in the show. Nothing's too broad. Right. Especially something yeah. about Aliens. Yeah. yeah, Aliens lets us get away with a lot of extra, too. Yeah, yeah so uh, getting to a concept you uh, touched upon earlier, but, like, uh, especially with the show, like, Solar Opposite Effect, it goes so far balls to the wall on concept. Is it, has there been anything that, like, Hulu, Hulu or, or someone in the process has, like, actively said no for? Or has, or has the only stuff is, like, like gun violence or kids getting injured or stuff like that where we're like, oh, yeah, that might bum somebody out. You know what I mean? But, like, that's on any show, you know? And, or and Star Wars. Or, or, or often, now that Disney owns us, we get, yeah. we get slapped on the wrist more often when we're like, let's show Minnie Mouse's breasts, you know? And it's like, no. Because yeah. there's these whole new departments there called D- Disney Synergy, which is only there to yell at us if we're going to have a Winnie the Pooh vibrator as opposed to, like, anything else. So it's, it's funny running into that now. But there's, you know, luckily there's many things to make fun of in this world. But, no, we've, we've tried to get Hulu to tell us no, and they just won't do it. Like, they just love the show. No, they're an amazing partner. Truly an amazing partner. I wish we could talk shit about them, but they're really nice and they love the show. Can you guys hear us, Susie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 With the wall. Now, when I watched the first season, I was like, this is so gripping. Like, it's so dramatic and so fleshed out. I was like, I want to see more. Yeah. And then when we got more in the second season, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> so, how, how long have you guys been working on that? Like, was that like a storyline? Y'all were like, all right, this conception of it, we're going to let it run through and see where it goes? Or have you just been building upon it and building upon it? I'm just really curious. So, when Justin and I pitched the show, we wanted the wall to be first season, and then the second season we wanted to have be a different dramatic serialized thing. Sci-fi thing. Sci-fi thing. But then we just ended up falling in love with the wall the first season, and we were like, well, we don't want to end this. So what we decided to do is we didn't want to do it over again, though. You know, like doing the same thing over and over. So we're like, okay, we'll do the wall again. There'll still be little people, but the genre will change. So first season was like an Escape from New York, War of the Roses kind of like battle episode, you know, Mad Max stuff. Second season was a murder mystery. True detective True detective stuff. And then third season was like a horror monster thing, like alien, aliens kind of thing. And then honestly, we've already written fourth season of The Wall, and it's kind of a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, like mystery. Cold, Cold War. Cold 
before, Mr. E. But once we got into it, like with the church, for instance, the Bowenian church, we knew pretty early on that journey that the We're church was going like to take. a season or two ahead on the wall. You know, yeah. we, we teased that up and brought in someone like Sutton Foster, who plays Sister Sisto, because she is such a Broadway star and such a sweet voice. We knew when we cast her that she would end up being a villain. Not to have a spoiler alert to people who haven't seen it, but. Um, <laughs> and uh, the but, other, yeah, the other reason we wanted to lean into the wall so much is the cast. Like the cast that we have, Christina Hendricks and Sterling K. Brown. Yeah, they're killer. They're, they're so good. Insane. And then when we were like, season three, we were like, well, we still want to do the wall, but I miss doing that new thing every year too. That's why we started adding Silver Cops and more backstory for the aliens themselves with 99 Ships because being weirdly serialized is what we're having fun with. So like, like pumping pumping the gas on that and then pumping the brakes back and forth so you never know as an audience what the next episode is going to bring you. Right. Can you all talk about maybe some about writing for some of your guest stars? If you Sterling K. Brown, Christina Hendricks, Tiffany Haddish. Well, well Tiffany, Tiffany is amazing. I mean, when we cast her, we were like, there's no way. She plays an orb. You never even, she's a computer orb. And she, we were like, she's like, how do, you want to, how do you want me to play this? And we were like, just be yourself and funny and we'll add like a slight bit of computer fun to it, you know? And she makes everything so much funnier. She season four, she gets a whole episode. Like, it's so... We just keep trying to... We keep finding these actors that we're lucky to get, like Christina, like Sterling, and we want to write up to them. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. The oh. Amazing. Andy Daly. Right. Sterling K. Brown getting him was, you know... I only yeah. think we got him because COVID hit. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm fine. Well, I'll take it. He, yeah. he was so amazing. Keeps playing, uh, is a recurring character as he's well. He's the new... He's Glenn that will be the star of the Silver Cops. Getting Kieran Culkin was amazing. So being able to write for them, and it's so different than like writing for Mary and Justin and Thomas and Sean, because you watch that part of the show, it is so fast. And we are trying to write it, and they are talking as fast as we can. We're getting in as many jokes as we can. So to be able to then shift gears and do this pseudo-dramatic piece with these amazing dramatic actors saying ridiculously stupid things. Yeah, it's great... fun to get to write. Well, Sterling K. Brown is like, he does comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, for Christina, she's in so many dramas, and like, I love her in Mad Men. Getting to write jokes for her, and for Sutton Foster, and for people that don't usually get to do funny stuff, you get to like, you see these grins on their faces in the booth when they're when they're recording the dialogue, and it's like, oh yeah, you don't usually get to be a bad guy, or a funny, or say ridiculous animated things. It's really fun. Do you ever get uh, feedback from somebody who's in the booth, like, wait, I have to say what? Oh, every time. <laughs> usually they're laughing because they've read the whole script, and they're like, oh, I can't believe I get to well, say this. What we usually have to do is we go, first of all, I'm so sorry. I yeah, we make a lot of apologies. We apologize You're a about lot. to say the stupidest thing like, about I know you've won many Emmys, but please say the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. We're yeah. shocked we don't get it more. But the irony that somebody so steeped in, like, dramatic influence and stuff then says something stupid is really funny, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can ask two more. Go ahead. Great. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, with you guys bringing up the idea of, like, season four being a, a, like, with the singer thing, uh, Taylor about. Is there any concepts for like a season five or beyond that like you're already thinking yeah. of would be tougher for this? We 
have like I think for the wall we have at least two or three more seasons figured out. But luckily it's like it's such an open book that you because you can switch the genre and because it's like just little people in a society. There's all these things. Yeah, it's like it's like a video game in a way that it's like we can always adjust it and change it. We just have to introduce kind of new villains and new heroes and like let time pass. The one thing we always push the brakes on is we don't want to jump ahead. It's more funny to us to be like, okay, now the Sherry character has a baby, but next season it can't be a teenager. Like that has to almost be a toddler and like let it be this kind of slow, unexpected, serialized thing. But then like because we get to genre change all the time, it feels like a different Oscar movie thriller every year, which is like we never get to write that stuff in comedy writers, you know? So it's like a whole new sandbox. We never run out of ideas for that stuff. Did you have one last question? You can sneak in one more if you want. Yeah. Any of you guys can. <laughs> we won't tell. We won't tell. No, I didn't. That's okay. Oh, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm so sorry. It was an amazing question. <laughs> that question was amazing. Oh, my God. I don't even know how to answer it. Let's just leave it silent. Yeah, well, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Do you have another one? Oh, as far as the family, um, what do you guys want to do with them? We're going to continue in season four. The way that things ended in season three is our comedy family show has turned into an office-style comedy where the aliens are trapped in it, and it was sort of inspired by the last scene of the last episode of the FX show The Shield, a little bit. I love And we were like, oh, what a, what a dark moment for that character, and what a dark moment for ours. So you'll see going into season four, it's become an office show, but our aliens don't do great in an office. <laughs> and it lets us write a fun office. And we get to do an office show then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys. Well, oh, before you go, I don't know if you want to find their posters. Oh, if you guys want us to. Meanwhile. And there we go. Boy, that was, uh, that was, it was like, it was like the days of yore. The days <laughs> of the round table. Days of true exactly gentlemen right. and knights and knaves. Uh, and let's give it up. That was a that was a a, a pretty good round of uh, talent mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna be. There was uh, I made really good friends with all of my roundtable mates. That's an um, important lesson to learn uh-huh. for all you budding so, Comic Con reporters uh, out there. I can't name you all by name because I don't have the list in front of me at this particular time, but I will be hitting you all, all on Twitter. You're all getting a hashtag and, and an at later. <laughs> yeah, you're all going to get a little uh, a little uh, thumbs up or whatever it takes. So, But, yeah, that was great. We had a lot of fun. I'm sure you guys could hear it. Um, there was a lot of energy there. One of the things that they did a little different, just because I, I do like to set the scene a little bit, especially we've been doing this for 10 years. We've done a lot of roundtables. And... Um, it's kind of hard sometimes to imagine what these things look like. So these things generally, when you're at San Diego Comic-Con, they usually take place at the Bayside Hilton, which is the big white uh, hotel that's kind of along the water behind the convention center there. And we usually have a whole floor, you know, where there's um, all these press rooms and stuff. And so you're just in this kind of, small little banquet room and there's a bunch of round, like literally round, round tables there. 
um, and Thank we're God all sitting around it. Yeah, we're all sitting around. Um, there's a bunch of microphones. There's some cameras, like, on the table. And then people kind of circle, like, all the talent circle to us. We stand still. We sit still, but everybody comes around. And the what these guys just did. brings talent to you. That's right. We just the sit there and just let it happen the to us. Harborside Hilton. Yeah, we just let it happen to us. And it's now what these guys did, which was kind of new, was that they actually had uh, some of the um, they, they had the series or season uh, key art as posters that they were giving to us when we came in. OK, and. Then, so we all had a couple of posters. We had one for Solar Opposites. We had one for Koala Man. And then when the talent was like, in, was like sitting there, you know, one of their handlers or whatever comes and just drops a couple of Sharpie markers on the table. And then all of a sudden, I'm sure you guys could hear some of the shuffling um, during these roundtables, but uh, they're literally, si- they're all, like we all get a poster and they're, they're all signing these little posters for us. Which is really cool because I never ask for autographs. I think it's very, you know, I'm a, I try to be professional even though nobody pays me and this actually costs me money. Um, but <laughs> here they dangle free autographs in front and you're, you're, you're just too smart to try and take it. No, I totally took this. So, yeah, yeah. I Ooh. actually have a physical, like a real keepsake from this thing now. But the other thing that I did is when people started to leave at the end of the whole session, I took a couple of extra posters. Now these are not signed, but I will be giving you. I will be giving some of these away, so you guys can listen. And uh, if you want a Koala Man well, poster, why don't or if you, you want a Solar them. Opposite, I'll, I'll sign them. There you go. Yes, I will sign them. Should I sign them my own name or Thomas <laughs> Little Ditch? I'll no, try to replicate like Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll just be like Hulk. I'll just rip them. <laughs> That's right. Ten okay. years in, you can finally win a ripped poster from Saturday Morning Cereal. Uh, why don't, as long as we so, brought that up, what is uh, our Twitter handle again there, Marky? Oh, it's uh, – well, mine is – we do have a Saturday AM uh, at Saturday AM Cereal. Boy, but, that was tough to get out of you. Yeah, we don't really use it much. So uh, <laughs> I regret please. bringing this up immediately. I just wish we had the capability to edit the show. Since we don't, let's move ahead. Uh, What about this damn Koala Man I'm hearing everywhere? Okay. Who is Koala Man, Man, and what is Koala Man? Well, uh, Koala Man follows a family father who lives a not-so-secret identity as the titular hero who possesses a burning passion to snuff out petty crime. And he's called Koala Man because it takes place in Australia. He puts on a koala, like a koala cowl. A koala so cowl. He, I yeah, love it, it already, looks, actually. Yeah, you yeah. got me on board. And it's voiced by, get this. Hit me. Hugh Jackman. Wait a minute. The Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Wolverine is now the koala man. They do have some pretty gnarly claws. Have you ever seen them? Koalas, I, I mean. I'm... Wolverines, I just take for given because of the Fox movies. Foxes, I, I'm going to have to just assume. Not big claws. Um, I just have to assume, because koalas are so damn cute, 
that they must be vicious, strong, powerful animals. Because they live out in the wild. Yeah, they're like Ewoks. You know, I think they're they're yes, I think they're vicious. They probably are cannibals. So so yeah, anyway Australia um, to begin with. (laughs) Right, dirty criminals, all of them. So yeah, koala men looks good. Uh, it's um, they they haven't even I think they only have like their pilot episode has been done so far, but um, that show's not coming out until 2023. But I know I'm going to be looking for it. I hope you all are going to be looking for it. And uh, yeah, we got to talk to um, the creative um, the uh, uh, creator. Um, Benji Samet. Um, we talked to, I think we talked to Dan Hernandez, right? Yes, you even We're, talked to co-creator Dan Hernandez, uh, writer, uh, producer, I believe, Benji Samet. Uh, and as well, don't forget the cruel, the, the uh, sorry, the jewel in this crown, uh, Justin Roiland, uh, you had just, right. just by himself. He was, he was the big enough talent, I guess. That they just let him, they they sicked him on all five or six of you at each table by himself, right? That's right. They, yeah, they he was, got it was one just him who just yeah you know, because of the numbers has to do it alone. Yeah, and uh, you know it seemed like, and I actually, I believe I actually talked to him before for uh, Rick and Morty like four or five years ago. So, um, but. As you guys will hear, it seemed, you know, he was kind of playing this off like he didn't know, like this was his first Comic-Con, like he didn't know what was going on. He was asking us questions. Um, so that's a that's a little, you know, you guys are going to have to wait and hear that one. Uh, that was a pretty fun conversation with him. But one of the things is <laughs> Justin, Justin Roiland does the voices for most of the characters in Solar Opposites. And I believe he does most of the character voices for Rick and Morty, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, blindfolded. You listen to to those two shows. It's it's the same guy at slightly different pitches the whole time. Yeah, and he's, just and not, so, he's not bad at it. And he really, I mean, it's like he can differentiate between characters too. I'll give him that. Well, yeah, and so when you're like sitting with him, like that that little bit kind of pops out like every once in a while. Like you can just you can kind of hear it there. It's like it's definitely coming from that guy. And there's always that cool little phenomenon of when you're used to hearing a voice, even if it's, you know, uh, changed and, you know, it's being created, it's it's like its own kind of character. But still, when you hear a voice that you know really well, and then all of a sudden it's coming out of a real flesh and blood person, <laughs> it's a cool little kind of effect there going on where it doesn't kind of seem real. So it was... It was kind of neat being, you know, being able to talk to him. Um, he's probably younger. I, th- I think he's younger than me. I think he's a really young guy. He's probably in his 30s. Um, he's just, he's bright. He's funny. And he seemed pretty interested in me. And that's all I ever asked for. Well, it's great that uh, <laughs> that, that, that you, you made it about you somehow. Like he was just the 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 nicest, uh, most wholesome stripper that you found at the club that night. <laughs> yeah, and you I, know, I just wanted I to feel save like him. We, now we've definitely started gilding the lily magic interview machine. Why don't you just give us a couple of quick roundtables about Koala Man? Wet our appetites for uh, oh about over a year from now. 
He just went to the bathroom. This is Koala Man. We have the showrunners of the infamous Koala Man, and we will be right back. Yes, thank you. Good. Good. How are you guys? How are you guys? Good. All right. Can you all introduce yourself? I am the recording device. I am Benji Samet, uh, developer, co-showrunner of Koala Man. And I am Dan Hernandez, the co-showrunner of Koala Man. I co-developed it with Michael Kisak and Benji. Yeah, no, we, Dan and I have never been to Australia, uh, but Michael grew up in a town right next to Dapto, and so that's his, his life, his world. Uh, we're talking about writing about uh, Dapto. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so Dapto is a small town that I grew up near, and uh, the reason it just seems to work for this show is because I wanted to make an Australian superhero that was had no powers, nothing interesting about him, just a middle-aged dad. And Dapto is like a really like kind of small town in Australia, so instead of doing a big Gotham, like crazy big superhero city, it just seemed funny to do a small suburban town that's like kind of a bit boring. So there's not much that goes on there in terms of crimey, like petty stuff, like kids littering and just nothing. But, but you know, the stories start there but can escalate into massive things in this show too. So, yeah. so it was so it, it was interesting to write about somewhere that I, I've never been to Australia and um, I had to learn about all of these very specific Australian things but you know through Michael's point of view and through his the other Australian writers in the room we we found a lot of commonalities and a lot of things that even if we didn't understand necessarily the, the nuance of it we understood sort of the emotional importance of some of the things that they were talking about that feeling of being because I am from a suburban town in South Florida so like that part of it felt emotionally true to me and so there were things that were sort of applicable across that cultural divide um, and I think that uh, we kind of tried to focus in on those emotional truths if, for lack of a better descriptor what? really? Yeah. really? Yeah. oh that's amazing like, cool. Oh, serious? Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting, you were gone. I was like, I'm yeah. kidding on these. Oh, that's great, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Dapto's basically just in Wollongong. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, it's just a suburb of Wollongong, really. That's so cool. So, um, and you're just bringing Dan on Yes. Yep, they're staples of Dapto. Uh, yeah, I made a short many years ago. Uh, called Damon and Darren, and it, it is set at Depto train station. I just went there and took photos of the station and drew over the photos, which so it's that station, and uh, it just seemed logical to bring them back to Koala Man. It's almost like they're just the, they're the villains that, all, that pretty much do nothing, but are always there. It's like Koala Man's constant, they're like, kind of like the Jay and Silent Bob 2 of the world, you know, they just lo- loiter around shops, and just, they're always there. They're the, they're the personification of Dapto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same without them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Starman is, is the experiment in doing something more for a mainstream, more for a broad audience, but still trying to keep that edge that I had on YouTube and with other projects, but seeing how to marry that with, you know, something that's a bit more serialized and on, right. on Hulu. Yeah, we so sort of yeah. took it as a mission to, like, take Michael's YouTube Adult Swim energy and feel, which is all so funny and good, but, yeah, bringing it to, you know, a half-hour, uh, you know, family sitcom adventure superhero thing, uh, just bring in a bigger audience, uh, widen it, but also not lose sight of what makes Michael uniquely Michael. And I think one of the cool things about the show is that it kind of sinks up on you that it is a superhero adventure, and that by the end of the season, you're like, I'm really invested in the story of what's happening, and I really didn't expect that. And that was intentional on our part. That was something that we really spent a lot of time talking about, which is, I think a lot of the time, the more seriously that you take something, the more funny it is, and it can actually operate at the same time. And I think that this has been a real experiment in that. And so, at least for me, by the end, when I watched the finale, I'm like, I'm emotionally moved by what's happening. We've really gone on a journey. This is a real superhero story, but it's a very, very odd superhero story, but a superhero story nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, I also, I, growing up as a huge animation nerd, uh, I always loved how in The Simpsons, Matt Groening was like, you know, he's the art, the leader of the art stuff and like lots of the concept like, building, but he really put his trust in the showrunners to bring a lot of their own uh, energy to it. And look what came out of that. I think it's, a, it's just a, I think it's a, um, a huge experiment for me for collaboration and just seeing how that works. And I think what came out of it is something I never would have done on my own. So it's been, these guys have just been really amazing at facilitating that and, and elevating it to a level that like, yeah, I wouldn't have done on my own. It's been great. We've had a great partnership and, and it's been a dream. It's been a dream from the beginning. Real quick, this last question is going to be the last question. Who, who did you guys make this show Anyone that really likes it, I always my my thing is like as long as my mom likes, it, I feel like that I've succeeded. Oh, not really. I mean, she's kind of hard to please. So like, yeah, that's my personal kind of thing. But it's really like I guess the the you know I I love cartoons when I was a teenage boy. So teenage boys and girls, you know, I guess that's really the big target. But like really anyone, like I think I feel like hopefully it's just for anyone that enjoys funny stuff. I think that the three of us, one of the things that I think made us become friends and, and close was our shared love of animation and was our shared love of these sort of foundational shows that had a big impact on our comedic sensibilities and the way that we look at the world, like The Simpsons, like Futurama, like Family Guy, and all of and South Park, and all of those things were in the in sort of all in all of our brains. Uh, but you know, I'm I have two little kids. Benji has two young kids. So becoming a dad and, a, and, all, and being married and all those things also gave me a different perspective from my teenage self to say, to say, uh, oh, like now I'm relating to Homer in a different way than I did when I was 14. And so I think that we tried to put some of that into Koala Man, who is a dad and who does have these issues with his kids. And like, so there is that component of it and that I, I think is, is also what makes him who he 
is, and they are equally as vibrant, and they have their own storylines that get real crazy, and, and we were really proud of that component of things. So I, I guess I would say I made it. we made it for the people who love adult animation, but we also made it for people like us who grew up with it and wanted to be in that legacy of those classic animated shows, and, and that was very much in all of our minds. When that 20th century logo hits, it's emotional. It's like, wow, we're, we did this. It's I still weird. can't believe it. Yeah, it's amazing. Growing up on The Simpsons, just being involved in 20th century Fox, I don't think I'll ever get over it. <laughs> I feel like I snuck in by accident. Right. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No worries. Thank you very much. For me, the manly side of many weeks is fitting. But the forest seems good, too. And I'm not kidding. I, Skeletor, created you to destroy him. You did. You're a faker. You look like he never really was. See, and now isn't that something to think about that when we were kids you get away with calling somebody He Man and now we're all the way up to the time where so many of those, you know, domain names, so to speak, are taken. You gotta go with Koala Man. <laughs> yeah. What a crazy evolution. <laughs> I know, and I think uh and they just called him He Man because Superman has been taken by that point. Well, because of my family, we used to spend summers in, like, literally Mexico. And I remember watching the Spanish-translated version of the He-Man show. <laughs> and it had the coolest name of all time. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you going to say it in English I'm gonna know. Spanish? I'm gonna, oh, you, well, yeah. oh, no, I, I, I have to say it in Spanish. It's El... Hit me. It's El Hombre... Was it? Oh, is that his name, El Hombre? Yeah. Wasn't that like said exactly like that? A character on Pee Wee Herman's <laughs> in-show cartoon. It might have been about El Hombre. Yeah, I just that's how I remember it anyway. Oh, uh, Twitter sleuths, figure that out and tweet right at Marky. But isn't at, that? Wait a minute. Where are they supposed to tweet again, Marky? I am at S. Stay classy. SDCC. So at Stay Classy SDCC. That's Give it to my me one more time. At Stay Classy SDCC. I have. I get the joke. I get the joke. You got it. It's a little. Yeah. Thing. Stay yeah. Classy San Diego Comic Con. But yeah, how about that round table? Boom, Koala Man. Boom. Mm. Round mm -hmm. so round table so nice. We we did them twice. Uh, and that's, uh, and that's, uh, again, we give that to you so raw, so in your face, so full of the ambient noises, so as to give you, the listener, the, the taste of what it's like to be there in the, in the beast, in the churn of it. Am I right, Marky? Yeah, yeah. It's a real, uh, it's a real sausage factory there. You know, you, you, you like, you like go in. You're one thing, you get churned out of there, 
and yeah, you, you yeah, come your, out, your IGNs, yeah. your Kotaku's. You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna paint that up pretty for you. They're just gonna <laughs> give you the plastic uh, G4 regurgitation. But no, no, we wanted to see you. We we wanted to give you the sausage half made. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like for ten years we've been achieving that goal, and I'm proud of us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Half made sausage. That's San Diego Comic Con specialty to us. And this is just the beginning. We did. There's probably I think we counted. Uh, well, we have thirteen different roundtable type interviews. Is what we did. So you guys just heard. You're, uh, you just heard basically four. Yeah, you're going to hear four tonight of the 13. So, uh, yeah, we were just, we were busy. This was a, this was a very busy Comic Con. And I can't wait to bring you the rest of it. We have a lot of good stuff. Um, plus we, we've been sitting on some interviews. Uh, we're going to have a great season 10. This is probably the biggest season that we've ever had. We got some huge guests coming out, um, here in the next couple of, um, um, months. And this is just a, it's a great time to, to be, to be, uh, uh, awesome podcast. Everything else in the world, this is a good time to be alive if you listen to the show. That's right. And I can't think of a better reason for you to listen to this show. Of course, we're probably about an hour and 20 minutes in, so, uh, I guess you've been listening a while, sucker. <laughs> I know. But we got still one more thing to go, and I think we should, I don't, I think you guys have had enough of us. Shay, what do you think? Have, have, oh, have, we, have we talked enough? I would say for sure, probably yeah, yeah. five minutes in we but did. Yeah, but uh, yeah. at this point, yeah, we're pushing it. But, yeah, I have been saving the best for last. Uh, Justin Roiland is going to come out. Yes, you are right, Marky. The, uh, the big git, the big fish, as it were, you got on the line, Justin Roiland. All right, stop the. Why make the people wait any longer? Magic um, interview machine. Why don't you give us the creator, uh, co-creator of Rick and Morty, creator of Solar Opposites, producer on upcoming Koala Man, Mr. Justin Roiland. Meanwhile, just like meeting cool people, or not to say, not to insinuate that I'm a cool person. I'm just saying, like, you get to meet actors and stuff, and like people, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a trip? Is it just like y your days are crazy long and you're just like, what in the fuck? Tomorrow's like that for me. I have, I have seven of these tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Friday, Saturday, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, My, I'm doing the panels, the circuit, panel circuit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's gonna be a long day, but then like a whole different. Yeah. Day. My, my 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 day today is a crazy day. Tomorrow I only have a little bit to do for my video game, and then I'm and then I'm off the hook. I'm like, I'm free, you know. But yeah. 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 Uh, tomorrow, yeah, for my video game, yeah, yeah. Um, and but we did IGN today for Koala Man, which I, which is really fun, yeah. And then I, I uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, um, yeah, the video game is uh, just get it out of the way real quick. It's uh, it's a first person shooter. It's gonna be on, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be on uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass. 
NPC, October 31st. It's called High on Life. It's aliens that, uh, it's an alien drug cartel that discovers Earth, and then I'm just getting it out of the way. It's an alien drug cartel that discovers Earth, which is bad, and it just so happens that drugs are the most potent, or humans are the most potent drug in the uh, universe, or galaxy, or the cosmos, I should say. And uh, so we start getting herded up like cattle and sold to be used as drugs, and uh, our life energy just getting sucked to get aliens high. And um, there's a whole industry around it, you know, like if you're an alien that is like the size of human, you have a thing that's installed uh, in your head, and then you just like plug a cable in, and that cable runs to a big vat that has a human in it, so you can get high while you're watching your TV or playing your alien video games. But anyways, you play as a human who's like, you know, just fresh out of high school with no plan, and you end up uh, you end up discovering a living alien gun, talking gun, that is a Gatlian from a planet called Gatlas, and you and that gun is Kenny. I do the voice of Kenny, and Kenny gets you out of there. He gets you off Earth, and he and he gets you connected so that you can basically start taking down the cartel one by one. Like and this sort of Gatling gun. The no, no, so they're just called Gatlians. It was like a clever little play on, yeah, yeah. But they're, they're they're just but 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 as you go out and take down the cartel, uh, each cartel leader has a new Gatlian. So it's a whole new, it's a character, a personality, uh, and um, those are our main main characters. So we got JB Smoove to do one of them, which is like my fucking. He's so fun and cool to work with. He's like one of the chillest. Like, not only is he hilarious as fuck, but he's just so excited and happy and like, like he's one of those guys that appreciates like where he is and what and what you know. You work with some people that are like, they don't, they don't. It's like, dude, you have to like realize how you have to be grateful for what you you. And he is. He's so awesome and. Uh, Tim Robinson uh, from I Think You Should Leave. On, he's one of the main guns. Betsy Sidaro, and then me, and then a, and then some other ones that we're not. It, it'll be a later thing, but yeah. Anyway, it's a really amazing, amazing comedy game, and we're treating it the same way I treat the TV stuff. I'm treating it the same way I treat Solar, Rick and Morty, like from a writing standpoint and the cast, and you know. So yeah, we're we're and the game is a really solid, fun first-person shooter action adventure, um, Metroid like you can upgrade the guns and get access to new places power ups and up, upgrade your bounty hunter suit and explore new areas once you get to it yeah 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 there's a whole yeah anyway but let's talk about these shows now yeah alright yeah. yeah too many things right now very busy it's, it's, it's bad for me right now it's well really, once I get through this year it'll it'll chill the fuck out but yeah um, that's a good question. So, well, first of all, I surround myself with amazing, amazing, talented people, right? So, for Solar, I've got Benji Dan, or sorry, for Koala Man, I've got Benji Dan and Michael, which that's their thing. I'm very hands off with that show. Like my my job on that show is, well, my whole thing was like, I just need Michael to have a show, uh, and so my job was to just get that show greenlit, and then to protect them from notes and to protect them from, you know, if there's ever anything that's bumming them out that they really feel strongly about, then they can call me and I can step in. And surprisingly, I haven't had to do it that much because, like, Hulu is 
so fucking chill. They they believe in the show. They're like, yeah, this is great. So, um, but in terms of like actually like writing and the moment to moment and like the writers' room, like I'm I'm very like uh, like two arms length away from it. I'm more of a fan of it. I'm like I love it. I fucking love it. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was like, I want Mike, I want more from Michael Cusack. I want more, like Smiling Friends, fucking LOL. I'm just like, give me. I mean, and that guy's working his fucking ass off on, and just started. It's like, holy shit. When is he gonna get to burn out? I don't know. I mean, fuck. But uh, God bless him. I mean, you know, this show's great. And then for Solar, it's like, you know, it's Danielle and 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 Josh and Mike, and it's like, and, and our writers on that, and it's like, you know, I'm closer to that one, obviously, but, you know, still, it's like, that show would not be as good as it, as it is, or would not even, like, crossing the streams, it's like, we, we have all these amazing ideas coming from other, from our other crew, that just feed into that show, I'm like a big picture, I'm like a Jim Henson type, where I'm like, not to compare myself to a fucking absolute, I know, I'm sorry, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't like doing that, because it's like, I don't, I'm, no, for real. It's like, it's like, it's like, I, nobody will ever be, you know, it's like a Miyamoto or a, I'm not, but I like to work that way where I want to create, I have too many things, too many things. I have a backlog of things. I have sketchbooks this high, full of ideas, worlds, characters, stories, and it's like, I can only do so much, so, you know, and that's, yeah. Sorry, are these, are these different projects some kind of about some part of your some part of your like personality I don't know where they come from I gotta be honest like I I feel like I'm tapped into some weird cosmic like I like I just have these ideas that come to me and then I I get obsessed with them and then I have to just get them out and then I get them out and I'll and and the ones that fill a sketchbook the ones that just keep going tend to be the ones that end up like solar you know or my this new video game or you know Trover was one like that where my other video game uh, but uh, yeah it's like uh, you know and then there's so many others that that are great amazing ideas but it's like they didn't they didn't they came to me somehow but they didn't like they didn't take over they didn't like just they didn't start you. yeah they, they, they didn't take up rent in my brain for months you know like solar was one that was just like I could not stop thinking about solar and a big part of it was the wall and just like I mean I was we were developing it and then the wall idea hit me and then it was just like it just elevated the whole project because I loved what we had with the alien with the, with the solars you know but then the wall was like then I just became obsessed with the wall and the good news is that idea came deep enough into developing the family and their whole thing that it was fine for me to just totally not give a shit about that anymore and and Mike was like on board and it was like we it, we just fell into this like amazing rhythm and it's all just like coming from somewhere else it's so weird I don't know and I know it sounds like all woo woo and weird but you know yeah I mean it's it's honest yeah <laughs> I'm 
I'm, I'm, I, nothing could. I'm so humble and like, I don't, uh, yeah. I honestly think the way that you kind of describe how you process information and process a lot of things, I think you're a creative genius. Well, thank you. That's crazy to hear. Thank you. because the way that you were kind of describing the video game, yeah. it's like, if you just being funny, if you just kind of quit you giving too much detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As succinct as as succinctly as I could, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's not just you're a great actor as a board Thank you, yeah, yeah. You're a great actor. I think that you kind of describing the wall. I'm so bad with compliments. You know what I, I no no, I learned a lesson though last night. Literally last night someone said, just pretend like they're talking to a little guy on your shoulder. <laughs> and 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 you're just like, Yeah, yeah, you're this little fictional guy. Oh, you want me to sign these oh, oh no, 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 not yet. Well, I mean I might as well wall work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I mean, yes, thank you. I mean I I I just I just I'm I'm just having fun and I'm super grateful. But yeah. I absolutely like, am. A hundred percent. You're being an absolute but at the same time, you're not, you're not just doing what everybody else is doing. And I'm really lucky to have partners like at Hulu and and um, you know like I said like all the all the folks that I'm working with uh, that are and even you know even at uh, Adult Swim you know everybody that, that's very like just believes in it and is chill just do, do your thing. I mean obviously Rick and Morty was the foot in the door to, to get us to Solar you know so and then and then our relationship with Hulu on Solar has just been so. Just we're all friends with the network, you know, with all of the executives. It's, it's really a magical thing that is not always the case, you know. It's it's there's certain places where the executives there's a very adversarial, yeah, and 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 um, no, they trust us and like so on, on Solar we're able to just kind of do what we want to do. I don't think we, I mean, we might we get notes here and there, but it's like they will let us address them how we how we feel best, you know, to, to address. So, yeah, it is, it is, it's a, it is a, like, I, I'm 100% every day, I'm like, uh, if you, if you don't have gratitude and you don't, and if you're not humble, I'm pretty, like, I don't want a bunch of fame and spotlight, I'm pretty private, and I work out of my house now because of COVID, and I just, like, I can do back-to-back meetings all day long, and, like, but every day I wake up, and I'm just like, how the fuck is this real? Like, how is any of this fucking real? It's insane. Like, this is fucking insane to me. But it's like, yeah, because, like, I grew up wanting, I grew up loving Jim Henson and, like, you know, again, I'm not comparing myself, but, like, that was my, that was, I cried when I was, I'll never forget where I was when he, when I found out he passed away. I'll never forget it. I was in Stockton, California going to the fair and it was on the radio. I'll never forget it. And I literally cried my eyes out. Uh, oof, I'm getting like emotional right now just thinking about it. But yeah, like, give me a second here. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, so to be able and to look at what how he did stuff and then to like, 
you know, to, to, to bring amazing people together and to respect them and to wield their talents for some larger amazing vision and to see how excited they are to contribute their talents to that, it's insane. It's just super surreal. So I'm super grateful um, and humble and I kind of just want to lay low because the internet and humanity is sort of losing its mind right now and I just want to stay away from all that, you know, and just focus on distracting people from it, you know, giving people a reprieve from it, you know. Yeah. I know. A hundred percent. You can get you can get away you you'll get away more with animation than any other like well video games you can too but like yeah animation you can do comedy you can do jokes in animation that you would never get away with in live action ever 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 and also there's no coincidence that a lot of my shows are alien based because when you have an alien cast it just eliminates a lot of a lot of like. Um, uh, identity politics and a lot of stuff goes out the window and 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 you get to just sort of focus on the human being underneath uh, the characters underneath and that's how I live my life like I, I, I like I don't care what you are blah 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 anything is I just want to know who are you as a person and your your you know your your heart and your your brain and that's it you know thank you so much guys thank you uh, just one group photo and then you're off okay well uh, to the panel or to the to the panel Oh Jesus, God. Okay. Uh, just, I did, okay. These are the last two. Okay. Yeah, that's Daniel. why I was like, let's Daniel. start signing these. You know. He's coming. Sorry. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, totally. Uh, thank you guys. of Justin Roiland into a commercial which I I find familiar. I know we've uh, we've had it on the show before. Was it uh, Oh, Marky, you sneaky bastard. Mm-hmm. It was it was the episode when Michelle Nichols. Yep. joined us. Uh, another I believe it was uh it was Johnny Heck I got to interview her at uh, Comic-Con. I think it was WonderCon, but yeah, it was um so yes, I believe Well, I wonder if it was. <laughs> It was. There is no wonder it was at WonderCon. Uh, yeah, so in the 10 years that we've been doing this, um, and, you know, we've had just this really amazing um, run. It's been so much fun, and uh, we've got to talk to some amazing people. Uh, we've done... But one that, yes, we just lost. And, yeah. And that's a big hit. Yeah, over... Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant Uhuru. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, 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 just just before that, David Warner, who uh, not not on you know the original series, but he played multiple different roles across the uh, the Star Trek universe. Uh, two big losses, but man, especially Nichelle Nichols, who's absolutely just for. For our purposes here at Saturday Morning Serial, what we try and illustrate 
she could not have been a better ambassador. Spent her career trying to keep Star Trek alive and help the fans celebrate it. Uh, before Comic-Con was a, was a buzzword, uh, Star Trek conventions that would travel city to city were the, were the big thing yeah. back in the 80s. And she was a driving force behind it. Uh, as, as audience members, as fans, you can't ask for more commitment from someone. And I, I got to thank her for it. Uh, I'm gonna have to join you there. She was a fantastic person. Uh, I was I was with Johnny Heck. We were at WonderCon, and so I got to meet her. I got to shake her hand. You know, she gave me the live long and prosper salute. You know, like it was it was just an amazing moment. Um, and you know, over like we've done over a hundred episodes. I think this is episode. 119, I think, is what you're listening to right now, maybe 120. Um, I'll have to count later. And, um, you know, she's the first former guest that we've, that we've, that we've lost. And um, it's, we're, we're really, really shooken by this. Uh, um, you know, she, she hasn't been doing, I believe, that particular WonderCon where we talked to her, I believe that was her last comic convention so oh christ yeah. it was our fault no we didn't do anything but uh she yeah she was <laughs> i i think that was that was at least what the word around the the uh, campfire was she was well, going to go into semi-retirement and um she still well did interviews earned, and stuff well deserved yeah, and uh, she she to, to a fault perhaps mm-hmm. was too kind to us fans uh so we have lost uh, a great light uh, William Shatner lives on. Still here. In other news. <laughs> Going to space, even. Yeah. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, all right. Uh, now, definitely at this point, I know I've uh, I've blubbered on long enough. Marky, I'm going to speak for you. You have, too. That is enough of this. Stamp it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.